Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes. On today's episode, Brian and I are back. Like I said, get used to it. My, my co-host, we are co-hosts now for Latter Day Takes. On today's episode, we do a hodgepodge as normal, kind of for the intro segment. We do just kind of random topics that comes to our mind, kind of some relevant news topics. We do talk a little bit Super Bowl. We uh, did actually maybe... Maybe, maybe we did. I don't know. Maybe we pre-recorded this before the Super Bowl, so we didn't actually know who the winner was. But don't worry, we covered our ground, and you'll see how. So we talk about as if the Eagles had won the Super Bowl or as if the Chiefs had won the Super Bowl. Don't worry. We cover our bases here at Latter-day Takes. Um, And then, kind of randomly, but I was really excited to get this guy in on an interview. His name is Will Beck, and he actually went to Columbine at the time of the shooting, and he talks about his experience. And it was something that I had heard on the All In podcast with Morgan Jones. Now, she's not Morgan Jones anymore. Excuse me, Morgan. I forgot what your married name is. But Morgan hosts that podcast, and she was actually very generous and gracious to be a liaison for me to talk to Will and then subsequently get him on the podcast with myself and Brian. And we had a great time talking with him because his story is worth sharing. And I just I had to have the opportunity for him to share it on this podcast and then um, just talk to us about his experience was so powerful and something that I'm very grateful for. Um, so there's kind of a rough break in there. And excuse me, I'm trying to get better at the transitions now, having a co-host and like trying to fit in the best way we could do this. So we, we do have our segment one where we talk kind of like normal random topics. And then we cut into the main segment with Will. It could be a rough transition. I'm going to try and put a break in there, but either way, that's what's going to happen is that we're going to be talking with Will Beck roughly about 45 minutes in. So hope you all enjoy it. Um, I know I did. It's a powerful story, and uh, we'll go from there. Happy to be back. We'll actually be back later this week, and we will do an actual somewhat of a Super Bowl recap, among other things. And then we're going to talk Brian's experience going through the temple for this first time. He got endowed in Vegas. We were both down there just last weekend together going through that experience and it was an awesome time so he and i go through that kind of detail that together and obviously he shares his feelings and that's a big part of what we talk about anyway love you all glad to be back we'll catch you on the other side before we get to the rest of the podcast i'd like to talk to you quickly about odyssey snacks odyssey snacks provide some of my favorite protein bars in the world Now, they've got six different flavors, mint chocolate brownie, peanut butter, chocolate chip, dark chocolate almond, vanilla blueberry, mocha chocolate crisp, and my personal favorite, banana chocolate chip peanut butter. You can get 10% off if you use my discount code, HARPY10. You can go to odysseysnacks.com. That's where you can enter in the promo code at checkout, or you can just type in odysseysnacks.com slash HARPY10, and that'll give you 10% off of your order. Anything you order, you can get 10% off. Anyway, just want to share with you how much I love these. They've got a great prebiotic in them that kind of just helps you with the digestive tract, all that stuff. They're great with the macronutrients, a good amount of fat, carbs, and protein across the board. They're great for feeling satisfied. They're great for eating and then working out or working out and then eating. I'm a big fan of these bars. They don't get you bloated. That's the big, amazing part of this. Anyway, it's odysseysnacks.com slash harpy10, or you can enter in harpy, H-A-R-P-E-Y, one zero at checkout, and you'll get 10% off. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. One thing I want to talk about, actually, <laughs> I know we're rolling. Whatever, everybody, welcome to Latter Day Takes. Anyway, this, I'm, uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Harper Anderson, and he is... I'm Brian Harper, the other co-host. The other co-host, co-host number two. There's no, there's no hierarchy. You're number one. There's no number one or number two. Harper's number one. Harper's number one. Ah, That's right. There it is. That's right. Um, dude, the replay. So live video. I guess when I'm seeing myself record, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I look fine. And when I watch it again, I'm like, ugh, who's that guy? <laughs> Like what? Happened? Maybe it's the bags under my eyes. I don't know. It's been a long morning, which shouldn't have been. I've I've been up for three hours. I should be well awake by now, but I'm not. So I don't know. Maybe. But it's also a big day yesterday. That's that's yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm just feeling the You're spiritually drained. Yeah, I'm just Physically feeling drained. Yeah, not all of the above drained. So I don't have much spiritual. My spiritual tank is empty, so we're not really gonna. No, it's full. It's overflowing. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay, yeah. yeah. So this podcast opposite. will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, dude. I mean, we probably don't want to talk about this now, right? No. Or we probably want to save it. Cliffhanger. Exactly. We want to. I think there's the first thing that we talk about though is. I was gonna see if anyone just wanted to notice on their own, but the merch. Dude, we got we got shirts, courtesy of my amazing co-host Brian freaking Harper. Like, shoot, these are so dope. They're it's so a new comfy. design that actually nobody's seen yet. Yeah, because we haven't unveiled it. You show you showed this to me a while ago, but it was uh, I mean, it was just a couple weeks ago. But um, your sister put you in the. In the logo, yeah, which just out of the blue, which I loved. I loved that. Like, I love not having to worry about these things because I've wanted I mean, to do something about like it. Right? Yeah, like, we talked we, about we it. We want to make this more permanent. Yeah, exactly. And we're recording for Vegas. That's right. Live coming to you live from freaking. I don't even want to say Sin City. I like Maybe Vegas more than that. We're in Henderson, technically. That's true. We're not even in Sin City. Oh, Hender Techie. Hender Techie. Ducky, which I never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently those those bougie Summerlin Lone Mountain. Jer- I guess Lone Mountain's not really like considered bougie. No, it's just the Summerlin folk. It's the Summerlin jerks. Hoity-toities. Yeah, the no offense, but they know they know what they do. We know what we do. We or maybe think our some side offense. of town's better than their side. That's all it comes down to. <laughs> they were, it's a little rivalry between the two. I get that. You know, which side of town is usually better at sports? Ooh, I mean. Mm, pretty, see, pretty, no, the problem is, is Gorman, the Gorman's in Summerlin. Yeah. So it has, it technically has to be if we're talking like high school sports. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Like, of course, I'm going to say I'd rather take the east side of town over something, but it is what it is. Because yeah. you split, you split the city north, north, south, right? Right. You go east, west, because that's the way it was in high school for me, at least. Was, you know, we just. It was us versus the other side, and I mean, we had we had some really good sports on our side with Coronado, Green Valley. You know, this is this is the southeast side, the northeast side. It was us, and then for baseball, it was basically just us in the northeast division. But with like basketball and football, Vegas was always really good. Canyon Springs was always really good. Um, 
El Dorado had a really good basketball program there for a bit. Never really good at football. Actually, dude, Stephen Jackson went to El Dorado. Did he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't yeah. even know Stephen Jackson was from yeah. Vegas. We had, at one point, Las Vegas High School had one guy in every professional league besides hockey. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's a professional sport here. Yeah. We had, uh, well, this not was a, back in high school. Not at the time. Yeah, just, gotcha. uh, just out of high school. Yeah. So it was Billy Wynn in the NFL. Bryce was in professional baseball. He wasn't in the big leagues, but he was in professional baseball. Well, you would have um, had Chris Bryant by that time. Or no, he's younger no, than No, no, I'm just talking for Vegas High School. Oh, Vegas High School. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, no, we. I mean, we've had... And then Hercules Gomez was the other guy. So we had... The only one we didn't have is probably basketball. But yeah. And hockey. And hockey. But, but like those three, those three football, of the other baseball, four. Football, yeah. baseball, and basketball. That's yeah. wild. I do remember growing up... This is... I mean, this is stuff... Listeners probably really don't care about, but <laughs> my my uh, my brother played basketball his sophomore year. I mm-hmm. think we'd go to his games, and their team was pretty good. I remember they got steamrolled by Vegas. Yeah, we went to that we went to that game, and it was like no contest. Vegas just freaking rolled them, yeah. and it was Las Vegas wasn't really like their their football team stunk. Like that was what was kind of funny. Is yeah, that, that was the late nineties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Vegas got really good when Chris Faircloth took over. Uh, I want to say just after that, maybe he was within his first couple years. Mm. Um, but yeah, they ended up. I mean, when I was in high school, it was two thousand three. They were in the regional finals. Two thousand four, they were in the regionals. Two thousand five, they went it. Two thousand six, they went it. Like it was just like boom, boom, boom. And then I mean, the four years that I was there, they went to state. They won state twice. They went to state three times. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So Sounds a lot like Corner Canyon High School, which is where I didn't go, but it's like five minutes from my parents' house because it wasn't built at that time. And I'm and yes, I am jealous. I'm not going to lie. I wish I would have gone to Corner Canyon, but Alta was pretty good when I went there too, but nothing like Corner Canyon now. My goodness. Yeah. All right. But let's, we're talking sports, so let's segue right into that. I did write this down. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I thought it was interesting when it happened. Shannon Sharp court altercation. Did okay, you see so it? I saw. I didn't. I have, you're gonna have to give me the backstory on this. So to give everybody, fill everybody in on this. Shannon Sharp is now a sports commentator. He does, I think, the show Undisputed. Undisputed. That's what it's called. Skip it's, it's Fox's version of First Take. If you're familiar with that, which Skip Bayless actually started and then went over to Fox Skip, and did Skip Undisputed. And it's basically just. I can't, there's like a term for it, but it's, it's, there's just guys shouting back at each other. It's like, it's like mixing politics and sports kind of not, not literally because they don't tend to talk politics. They'll definitely get political at times, but it's not, but it's just more kind of like that political combative nature you bring to a talk show and they brought it to the sports world. And they're just always saying these outlandish, crazy, crazy takes. And honestly, I used to like it. Back in the day when it was Skip and Stephen A. Smith at, on first take because it seemed way more tame. Now it's just ridiculous. Now they it's just, just hot take after hot exactly. take. Exactly. It's just become a meme and it's like these people just want their name in the news or name trending every other day. What is it? So Shannon Sharp, former tight end in the NFL, one of the best all time. Top five, no question. Um, played for the Broncos maybe his whole career. I'm not sure if it was his whole career, but I think it was. Regardless, that was his main tenure was with the Broncos, and he legitimately, I think in receiving, he's like top three all time. One of the best. 
uh, really bold, really all about like getting into the, the hot takes and all that stuff. And he gets like really aggressive sometimes with Skip Bayless. And I mean, Skip Bayless does as well with him, but it's just a little, it's weird watching them go at it. But anyway, Shannon Sharp finds himself on the sideline of an NBA game. I can't remember who's playing. And he starts mouthing off. It was at least Memphis. I know it was Memphis. I don't know if it was at a Memphis game or if it was somewhere else. It might have been a Grizzlies-Lakers game. It wouldn't have been Lakers, actually, because LeBron wasn't there. I'm pretty sure. But uh, Steven Adams gets involved, who's a player. Uh, freaking dude is huge from New Zealand on the Grizzlies and, like, is like holding back some of his own players. And then at one point he even kind of like is like coming after Shannon Sharp because he's just running his mouth. And it became so weird because it's like, why is Shannon Sharp interjecting himself in a game? He didn't even play basketball for one, but he's just jawing on players. It's like jawing at players. And it's like, why is that acceptable? But if you don't really have much to say on that, I guess we don't. I just, I, I'll never understand. I, I'm, all, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the quick wit, like, statements from fans right i've always been that way like hey you say something good like by all means i'll give you your credit right like, so give me an example I, of so i have a, the, the prime example i have right i'll give you actually i'll give you two right so obviously people coming at me when i was playing right like you're are you mad that your brother's better than you and i and i would turn around and of course i get pit i'm like Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know he was a left-handed pitcher. I'm sorry, but thanks. Yeah, he's a really good left-handed pitcher. I appreciate that, guys. Thanks. <laughs> right? Like stupid statements like that. Right? Like that's not funny. Yeah. But you have a quick wit, like, you know. I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't even have an, like an example for me. But my dad has a like. I love this story so much. Matt Stairs was rehabbing for the for the uh, Las Vegas Fifty Ones. Uh, before they turn into the aviators, okay? He's down here on a rehab stint. We're at the game. I think it was like Little League Day or whatever. You know, we're at the game. We're sitting there with, with my team. My dad's sitting there behind us. How old are you at the time? Uh, between 10 and 12, mm. somewhere in there. Um, Matt Stair, or there's a pop-up. Matt Stair's playing first base, pop-up. Matt Stair drops his pop-up. My dad stands up and go, or he put, he probably stayed seated, whatever. But he goes, "I bet you if it was a Twinkie, you would have caught it." <laughs> <laughs> and just so good, Dude, right? knowing knowing your dad adds a layer to that. <laughs> right. That is hilarious because your dad, like that, sounds like, oh my gosh, is that guy just a jerk? Maybe, yeah, right? But it's like, no, your dad is absolutely not a jerk. So that's to make that even funnier. But it's just a quick wit, yeah. like. Good statement, right? Matt Stairs is a bigger dude, right? Love Matt Stairs, by the way. Mm. Met him, right? I think Bryce actually, I think Bryce actually played with him, or he was a coach with the Nationals somehow. But like, yeah, dude, if he played with him, that's a that's even cool. funnier. Well, yeah, that's even funnier, but also that's a huge gap. Yeah, like that's that's like a fifteen year gap almost. Yeah. So, um, because Matt was still younger, right? And I think I want to say he retired probably. 2012 summer i don't know oh yeah so there's um, absolutely yeah. possible there so but he still is within baseball and like is around doing things so but yeah my those quick wit ones by all means like that's awesome and i think that's coming from any athlete standpoint right like they appreciate the quick wit good yeah. ones it's the mundane like you suck like you know and then they like straight just absurd insult ones like 
you know, very inappropriate comments that should not be said anywhere. So, which sometimes fans do get that way. You know who's good at that is John Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Yeah. So, I think it was John that I'm, I mean, either way, John's good at it. So, that's why I'm thinking this was him. But if it wasn't him, excuse me, John, whatever. But he probably wouldn't even remember this anyway, uh, even if it was him. But BYU basketball, he and, so, we had a buddy, our mutual friend. That's how I know John. Uh, shout out Preston Darger, actually, which I don't think he ever listens, but thinking about you, Bal. <laughs> um, he worked at Athletic Marketing and would every now and then like have a hookup. His sister is actually now one of the ADs for BYU, but um, she does really good work there. Uh, he, he would hook us up with like good tickets randomly because uh, he worked at Athletic Marketing. And so we'd had these courtside seats. And I think we were at the, at the time, it would have been probably Energy Solutions, even not even Vivint, which is not going to be the Delta Center. That's breaking news, kind of. And the best free throw shooter in the NCAA was on the team that BYU was playing. I can't even remember which team it was. I think it was Virginia Tech, maybe. J.J. Reddick. <laughs> no, this was post-J.J. Reddick. But uh, I want to say it was Virginia Tech. And a dude, this dude, we're courtside, and this dude shoots the ball, misses a free throw. And John, without missing a beat, is like, you're the best shooter in the league and you can't make your freaking first free throw. And <laughs> the dude at the free throw line himself even laughed. And that's the best part is that like when they hear it and they're like, right. and the guy even was kind of like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like that See, was that, really. That's the acknowledgement yeah. that I'm talking yeah. about, right? Like we acknowledge funny. Like we're not idiots. Like if it's funny, it's funny. Right? Yeah. We're going to laugh. Like, yeah. hey, that's a good one, right? Yeah. Especially if it's about another teammate that of ours, right? We're just like, did y'all hear that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, I, I'm doing, I feel like we're that way, just like regular riffing with our friends. Right. Like, exactly. it's like, you like to your point it's like oh you're you're way worse than your brother it's like oh I, your retort your retort is actually pretty solid you're like oh i wasn't aware he was a left-handed pitcher yeah, yeah it's like because what, I get that what are we comparing I, dude i would get that question all the time like from kids yeah like, are you is it like do you feel like do you do you are you okay with your brother being better than you i'm like what? On the contrary. On the con- like, yeah. I, yeah, I'm proud as hell of him, hundred yeah. percent. Like, yeah. I'm so happy that, for all of his success. But again, he's not a left-handed pitcher, and I'm not a hitter outfielder. Yeah. What are we talking about? Yeah, exactly. You're comparing apples and oranges right now. Yeah. You can't compare pitchers to position players. Just yeah, there's there's right? nothing. You can't compare a wide receiver and a quarterback. You right. can't do it. Right. It's just not the way it works. It's the most low-hanging fruit type of insult trying to get under somebody's skin it's like come on anybody can do that yeah to me anyway it's so but i I, again i don't understand just to bring it back to shannon sharp i don't understand what the whole deal was you know but it's just shannon sharp just seemed like he wanted his name in the news is what it was and 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 bill simmons who by the way is like i don't think he has any problems with shannon sharp bill simmons is a huge sports commentator he runs the ringer he started that whole thing and he even on twitter started spouting off about how ridiculous that looked which was i thought rare because it's like he doesn't normally like chime in on stuff like this and he certainly won't go other after like he won't go after other um commentators and people in the media he'll just kind of like let that thing figure itself out but he was just like wait a second what are we doing here like we're gonna allow this to happen yeah like it's different when players will like get involved um 
or no, he said random fans. He's like, he's like, so it's different if random fans will say something and have yeah. altercations with with the team. And that was the big that adds another question. layer to it, hundred yeah. percent. Right, yeah, because he's a former athlete, exactly, right? and he's a media member, and, he, and he's like all held to a higher standard. Are they going to ban? Like, I don't know if it was Staples Center or what. So it might have been like Clipper, because I'm thinking L.A. because Fox is in L.A., right? Like that's and then Shannon Sharp is mainly residing in L.A. So I think it might have been the Clippers, and it's like, is the Staples Center going to get involved and, and ban them yeah. and ban him specifically? Because they would do that to any other fan, right? You know, yeah, hundred percent. Anyway, yeah. so there are some double standards out there. Um, couple things other things we got a whole list here we got a whole slew of things we want to talk about <laughs> and so it's going to be just a random hodgepodge just just do you know but we can actually transition into this one pretty nicely because we were just talking about nba so other nbas never broke again nba young boy is going claiming yeah. now nothing it hasn't happened yet because there's there's some uh what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, hurdles. There's some hurdles he has to get through. In fact, it'd be pretty hard for him to hurdle yeah. with an ankle monitor. <laughs> so yeah. he says once his ankle monitor comes off and he's off house arrest, uh, he's going to join the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Like that's what he's saying. Like just like that. Yep. I knew nothing about the guy. Neither did, did I. You didn't My either. sister sent it to me. I ended up seeing this rant. Like, so Fleckus talks, okay? conservative profile yeah. just kind of does a uh week in culture recap of all these other videos and they just puts them together and post them on saturdays i believe and at towards the end it it, it has all these crazy videos that go throughout and then like the last two or three it'll be like more feel good stuff but the nba young boys in an interview and he's saying you know looking at everything that he's done and the music he, he related his music to the violence that's going on in his community and the people that, you know, are his fans and, you know, the results from that. And he's like, I just, I needed a change. And these two missionaries showed up on my, on my doorstep and I invited them in and seeing their example of these two young kids being, you know, 19, 20 years old, whatever they were being an example to him and, and just the love that they showed being in that home. I'm just like reading this article. I'm like, man, that is awesome. And could, could you imagine being the missionaries? Oh, but... for real. Yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> dude, as a former missionary, they, they'll try and tell you like, Oh, it's not about the baptisms. No, everybody has the resume yeah. <laughs> and they love touting it that and bringing it up as organically as possible yeah. and i definitely put that in air quotes because like the they, and, and it's hard not to get caught up in that this is not me casting like no. anything on these kids because it's like it is what it is it's like oh you were the missionary that baptized or or got nba young boy now granted let's explain who nba young boy is rapper he's a rapper yep rapper musician yeah pretty popular i guess i guess i don't know i'm not in the the new age uh rap I yeah, just give, me, give me the give me the Dre's and the Snoops and the M's. And yeah, I'm good to go. The guys that had to like the Post Malones. That's another good one. Yeah, yeah. let me a Post. That's right. Chance the rapper. When do you think Posty will come on Latter Day Tanks? Takes Posty's up in he's in your neck of woods, but yeah. So is know, that something I got to do? I think so. All right. We're gonna have to go knock on his door. Maybe, All right, I'll get maybe on we put it on our white shirts and we go knock on his door. I'll get my marketing team on that. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, NBA Young Boy. Uh, pretty cool, pretty cool story. Yeah. We'll see if it lasts. 
I think it will. Dude, he sounds convicted. Does he? Right? I didn't actually sound really like listen to his yeah. stuff. So like hearing the interview that he did on, on the bits and pieces, I'd like to see the full interview of it. Um, but then just having the art- article on Desert News and you know, like seeing that, it's just, I mean, the fact that he's creating songs with quotes from the Book of Mormon. Yeah, that's he pretty qu- sweet. He quotes Alma 36. Yeah. And it's like, you realize that, like he's... He's not just saying things, right? He's yeah. and he's he's talking about Nephi. He's talking about Alma, right? He's talking about these keystones within the Book of Mormon that are just like, yeah, dude, like you are convicted, man. You know, like, it'd be that helpful. is awesome. It'd be helpful if he were to like connect with other member members of the church that are celebrities as well. Mm-hmm. Which that's a dying breed. Yeah. Well, and and in that article, Kyle Van Noy heard oh, about it. Oh, that's right. And yeah. he retweeted it, and then commented on it and goes if you need a witness for your baptisms i'm here for you right i got you right yeah i was just like that's yeah that's awesome that's awesome awesome. that'd be incredible yeah um you know Dwayne wade showed up to like like his his like hair stylist or something like that i think i didn't know that got baptized and he was there and uh it was cool like i think he even like gave the prayer or something but that's awesome um yeah i mean i don't mean to be cynical about this and it's not cynical i wouldn't call this cynicism but i don't mean to be like negative or or whatever i just in fact this kind of goes along the lines of the quote you shared this morning before the pod today's scripture we we can get caught up in in the newness of things and and like just kind of it's it, it's essentially that spiritual catalyst that can ignite this flame that we all experience. That happens to pretty much everybody at mm-hmm. some time or another. Um, now these are not these don't have to be flash in the pan experiences, and we can concoct them. But the real thing is to grab that momentum and to keep that momentum going, which is what President Nelson talked about almost a year ago now. Spiritual momentum, which has been one of my favorite talks to talk about in the last. I mean, it was it's given a year ago, yeah. but it's one of the most impactful talks I've I've heard in the last five to seven years, probably. Yeah. No. I. So I hope it. I hope it lasts. That's all I'm saying because it is easy to kind of get that in the moment. I saw a tweet that was so. I thought it was so negative. Now, granted, this guy, this guy's totally out of the church. He grew up, used to be like hardcore, convicted, like all about like. I think he probably emphasized all the wrong things. He's got a big following. I'm not going to mention his name. But pretty big following, at least in the Utah sector, roughly. He even has his own podcast. I don't want to give that away too much. But he says, he tweets this out. And he says, it's a meme. And I'll get to the meme in a second. But what this guy tweeted said, saw this making the rounds, that young boy looking to get baptized LDS. Because now he's he's not anti, but he's had overtures that are very much like mm-hmm. in contrast with the church. He's about to double the entire nursery, if so. Not sure this is going to end well. Because the meme is, young boy reportedly has two women pregnant at the same time, his 11th and 12th child at only 23. Yeah, you know what? On paper, you look at that and you're like, sheesh. But here's the thing. That's the amazing thing about the spirit. That's the amazing thing about conversion, is that paper doesn't matter. Yep. None of that matters. It's the power of the atonement. That's the atonement, exactly. It's and power you don't... of repentance. And it's so cynical, and and that is cynical. That's what's funny. I'm not being cynical because I'm like I really like. You just never know how people deal with like the 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 boost 
And then hopefully that carries over. And that's my prayer. Like I honestly pray for this kid that it, it lasts because it's life changing, not because it's NBA. I don't even know who he is. I don't care that he's famous. I want everybody to receive the gospel and to keep it. I don't care what status they're in. But then this cynical jackass is my podcast. I'm going to say that word. <laughs> Call it like you see it. Spade is spade. Is not true this is going to end well. It's like, dude, first of all, what do you care? Yeah. Why do you care at all? If you're not involved in our church basically at all anymore, what does this bother you? Like, why, do, why does this bother you one bit? And so that really... That really ticked me off because it's like you anyway just because this famous dude is talking about joining the church and he has he happens to have a, and he has a past yeah exactly and he has a past like right. how dare you yeah. assume how this might end yeah how about you look at the impact that this could actually have on those 13 kids or that dude that's actually that's the and the generations to come below those 13 kids how yeah. about you look at that dude that's a fantastic point right it's like, if not, if for nothing else, like take the church out of it, even like, like say, say his conversion to the church, like whatever, whatever problem you have with the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, take that out of the equation. Yeah. We know that it could, this conversion could be life-changing regardless because any Christian religion, if people have strong convictions for the most part, maybe any not religion any, period, pretty really? much any religion period, yeah. I would even agree. It gives you a good foundation yeah. on what you need to be focusing on. Yeah. Right? Sorry. What I probably shouldn't have qualified with Christians, but right? yeah. yeah, is if it gives you that foundation of values of, of a higher power caring about you, yeah. it's going to help. So why be cynical about it? Right. Yeah. And yeah. if that helps generations after us, okay. NBA young boy, has the opportunity to break the chain, break the, you know, break the cycle, right, of continued down a a quote unquote wrong path, right? I'm not yeah. trying to say right, wrong path, whatever. But you have something that is able to, you know, change the lives possibly of multiple, multiple generations of like it's just that's the more mind blowing thing to me and just the absolutely amazing thing. Right from that tweet, right, like that was the immediate thought I had was, yeah, but what about the impact it's actually gonna have on those kids? Yeah, right. Being around other kids that are convicted and and you know growing up and going to primary and learning you know the ABCs and one two threes of the gospel of the gospel. Right? Yeah, which by the way, our conversation with a good friend of yours down here in Vegas yesterday, we I mean it all ties back to that. The ABCs of the gospel are what keeps us tethered. Prayer every day, reading the scriptures, yeah. like living, trying to live your best life every day. Like that is what keeps you tethered to the gospel. There's no doubt. Um, anyway, so I'd be interesting to see. Uh, and and I did want to say this too, real quick about NBA Youngboy. Not just his kids, but his reach. Yeah. Just the fact that he's now talking about this in his songs. There might be someone out there that's been like, dude, if NBA Youngboy is talking about a church kind of curious about that church now yeah and that could be life-changing like that could be somebody that's on the fence about something there's maybe already impacted but maybe he's a he or she is a huge nba young boy fan yeah right and exactly. now it's like oh that's not like on the fence like that but then he shares his testimony yeah right he's yeah. sharing his testimony in this interview mm-hmm. that's that's the impact right it's beautiful it can, man. It can, if it if it converts one other person from it it did its job yeah. As as that testimony.
Yeah, absolutely. I get it, man. So I guess another another pretty easy transition off of this too is actually funny because people will find any excuse they can to attack the church. Yeah. And that's and you have no idea what I was referencing here, I'm sure, in my notes, uh -uh. when I put in starvation. I wanted to talk about starvation. I'm sure you're like, what in the world is this? <laughs> but so this is what I was thinking, dude. Because I, I keep, I, I see this pop up every now and then, and it actually reminded me of a conversation I had like three and a half years ago, roughly. It was early on after I moved back to Utah. I was invited to have dinner with a bunch of friends, didn't know some of them that well. And I remember there was this girl there. We were all members, and there was this girl there who was like, yeah, we were somehow the church's finances came into the picture, which by the way, that's a thing again now. Have you heard that? That supposedly the SEC is going to investigate the church. That's actually probably worth talking about. I didn't write that down as a note. So real quick on that, that same whistleblower, I'm going to put my that in air quotes, whistleblower uh, who exposed the church's finances like two years ago, three years ago, um, was talking about how the church has just so much money tied up in certain stocks, this, that, or the other. And how shady he thinks that is because they need to be transparent about that. Dude, what's funny about when I see that is that I'm like, thank goodness. It sounds like they're doing good things with my tithing money. And as far as I'm concerned, y'all are going to try and lynch us at the end of the day anyway. So if I have this church to fall back on, if I have nothing else, then I can go work on a farm for the church and be sustained that way. Cool. Bring it on. I love it. I'm glad my church is is make has a multi-billion dollar portfolio. It's not going to any of the clergymen. Right, exactly. I mean, there are stipends that there take is, place, but right. there's not like a salary. They're not like and are these guys living exorbitant lifestyles? No. no. Could President Nelson do that with his own money anyway? Yes. Yeah. And he's still not. So that should yeah. tell you something. Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I love it. And and a lot of it is I'm pretty sure within that portfolio and the billion dollar or whatever it was, right? A lot of it was land. Yeah, a lot of it's land. Correct. But I think in stocks alone, there's like something out there where they have just like over $30 billion in stocks alone, in investments alone. Yeah. Which I'm like, still like, cool, awesome, great. They must have, they must be doing great work, get, man. Get the war chest. Yeah. Build up the war chest. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, that's a common thing within like players associations, unions, things like that. Like you have to build the war chest for when you need it. Exactly. And not to mention, if you know what our doctrinal beliefs are, that this is not going to end well. Not for our own thing, like, but it's the, the world is going to have its own undoing and we're going to need Christ to come to clean everything up the second time. Well, like, if we truly believe that, then why the hell would we not try and, as okay. you said, get prepared and have this war chest? Yeah. Like, if they were just sitting on their hands, I'd be like, wait a second, do you really believe what you're preaching here or not? <laughs> it's like, like... You don't know, you understand the irony there? Yeah. Like that and so anyway. And we it, have to we have to have money to be able to like President Nelson's whole thing throughout his presidency has been temples, right? Building new yep, ones, yep. announcing new ones, moving forward. I mean, Vegas is getting a new one, right? Yeah. Like yeah. never thought that would ever happen. Lone Mountain baby. Right? Yeah. My stomping going, going, going to the Summerland side, right? Like so now the east side it's and the west side are both hoity, covered, which is hoity toities. Um but no, like it's if he really wants to have a you know temple in every state and every country and like it costs money exactly right? foundation or you know uh, materials are not getting cheaper 
Well, and also, it would be hypocritical to do otherwise. It's like, oh, we want this to be a worldwide church. We want everybody to have the ability, the capability to participate in any way they can. But we need to save money and not build temples either. It's like, well, that doesn't really make sense. That doesn't. That's not how it works. Yeah. So anyway, these people will just... And and my point is, going back to this dinner that I was at, is that this girl started saying, I just, I really have a hard time knowing the church, like has this much money and just like there's children that are still starving and i was like you know what's funny about you saying that we're the first boots on the ground to any natural disaster so not only that that? but what the what she didn't realize and what i pointed out as i was like guess what it's one takes one google search to find out that starvation has actually been eradicated outside of political measures or like tyranny which is essentially political anyway. Right. In other words, governments are the reason why people starve. People are not starving because they don't have the means, unless they don't have the means because a higher power within our earth, our own social, temporal being, yeah. a social construct, has cut that off. Yeah. And that is terrible. But do, are you telling me that if there were actual tribes in Africa, that all we had to do was go in and just give them tons of food and they'd be, they'd be okay and not starve to death, that the church wouldn't do that? Because that's what you're casting their way all of a sudden. And it's like, think through what you're really saying. And here's where my, and this is why I wanted to talk about it. Because my point in all this isn't that she's not thinking this through. My point is this, is that my feeling is that she was looking for any excuse to kind of go after the church. And that's the saddest part of this. And that ties back to that tweet that I talked about. Is that people are just trying to find any reason they can to, to, to take a jab. And it's because their own, whatever, it is, I don't know what causes that, but obviously there's some dissonance in their minds about like, well, what is it that I truly believe, want to believe, or whatever. Yeah. And it, I'm just sitting here thinking, so if it's not starvation, it's going to be something else anyway. Like, I wasn't going to solve this girl's problem in the spot. I wasn't going to say, oh, guess what? People don't really die of starvation. Because I had another kid there with me. He was, he's at, and he is a friend of mine who's, best, who's way more moderate than I am politically. So... If she needed like more of an objective witness or whatever in her mind, he actually had my back. He's like, no, it's true. In yeah. fact, people don't die of starvation unless it's caused yeah. by governments, essentially. And natural disasters. Stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, like, ev- like everybody's involved to, to, to try and to, to rectify that as soon as possible. So that witness was there for her with two people talking about it. But do you think she came away from that being like, oh, then the church is doing great. And I have no qualms anymore. No, she nope. went and found a new qualm. Yeah. You know, and let's be honest, she probably didn't really listen to what I was saying and that didn't really matter anyway. But that's my point upon, is that upon deaf ears, but exactly. And so it's like, let's just maybe work on our testimonies. I think that's where this all comes down. That is what it all comes down to. So anyway, speaking of testimonies. Do we, do we want to talk about? We can, we can, yeah. I so think, or I think we're good on that, unless you want to do the other one that you had. Actually, yeah. Let's let's okay. Let's switch it up here. A little. Oh, do you want to talk about like my little thought? Yeah, yeah. Is that what you mean? We can do that, or we can just slide on in. But we do need to talk about the Super Bowl. <laughs> so before we get to any can of that, can you believe that play by Jalen? Yeah. So we, I mean, seriously. 
Okay, full full transparency. We 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 try to be as transparent as possible here at Latter Day Takes. Uh, we may or may not be recording this pre Super Bowl, <laughs> so uh, we don't. We may or may not know the outcome of the Super Bowl yet. So we're gonna do we're gonna do you guys the service of if uh, we're just gonna see we're just gonna. Let's just say, for example, we're gonna take we're gonna take a couple minutes and say, man, the freaking the Phillies or the Phillies, the Phillies Eagles, <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles pulled it off. Yeah, Jalen, killing it. Never count him out. Yeah, it really doesn't. It really wasn't looking good there for a bit. Yeah. Patty Mahomes just so sad on the sideline. Yeah, his brother was still dancing though on the on the up in the booth. Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, that, that whole brother. Woof. What's his brother's name again? I don't know. Patrick Mahomes' brother? <laughs> yeah. Actually, glad I don't know who his brother is now that I think about it. Um, so, you, uh, dude, you actually, speaking of, you know you could become the baseball version of Patrick Mahomes' brother if you wanted to. I'm sorry, I just cracked myself up. Your reaction, like, completely helped. I literally just thought of that. <laughs> so dumb. With that said, I actually don't know much about his brother. I just know everybody kind of hates him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna toot my own horn here. Okay. As you should. I'm I know not where this Aaron is going. Rodgers' brother. Okay. And no offense to Jordan. Jordan's very good on when it comes to college football. Okay. But I'm not going on the Bachelor. Okay. I'm not doing it. Maybe you should. Stop. <laughs> I'm not going on TikTok and doing dances. Oh my okay? gosh! No disrespect to, to Patrick Mahomes and his. Only brother. kind of I'm not. disrespect. Kind of disrespect no, though. I'm not doing it. You won't say it, but I will. I'm not doing it. <laughs> okay. I like the way I am. Okay. I love the way I am. Okay. I'm gonna keep it that way. I literally just thought of that. That's Stop. Like, that's funny though. Like that's wow. Yeah. I mean, anyway, we don't need to go there really. But like, no, we don't. Okay. Yeah. That's freaking funny, right. dude. So yeah, Eagles win. All right, now let's do. Yeah, so Chiefs Eagles, win. Eagles won. I actually yeah. am pulling for the Chiefs. So yeah. all right, so the Chiefs win now. Dude, can you like? How do you feel? Because I know you're pulling for the Eagles. I know. Fly Eagles, fly. It's need, a Philly thing, right? I need to be careful how loud I say that. By the way, in this house specifically, but I am pulling for the Chiefs. I do have a couple reasons. One, not so strong. Andy Reid's love of BYU and my love for Andy Reid. Like brother that's, Reed. That's brother Reid, exactly. But the bigger one. Yeah, this is really cool. Yeah. Latter-day Takes specifically has a stake in this because one of the former guests of this podcast, Porter Ellett. Yeah. So if you're wanting to actually go back to that episode, in fact, that's what I should have done. I should have shared that episode before the Super Bowl and been like, hey, I had a chance to sit with him. But it was actually before last season. Yeah. Porter's got a great story. He uh, got his arm surgically removed at the age of 16. Um, when he was younger, I think he was like the age of eight, roughly something like that. Um, the truck that he was in hit a big like pothole or something and he popped out young kid hit his head and neurologically like lost the use of his arm. He didn't let that stop him. And he still played baseball and basketball. He had his arm for years that just wouldn't work. And then finally they're like, let's just remove it. Because I, I don't know if there was always a chance that maybe he'd get used to it again or what, but they just figured it wasn't going to come back. And so they're like, let's remove it. And he pitched in high school and played basketball in high school. 
just an awesome guy, salt of the earth type of person, super easy to talk to, really easy to get along with, and really fun story. And he's got at least two kids, maybe three now. And uh, his wife is awesome, Carly. They uh, they live out in uh, obviously live out in Kansas City because he's the assistant, one of the assistants on Andy Reid's staff. Now he does specifically, can't remember what his latest position. Offensive management. It's like something like that, right? I think something that's along said. those lines. Yeah, it's a little atypical. Yeah. He's not like a position coach. Yeah. It's um. It's like in in game management stuff. So, yeah, because he used to be Andy Reid's direct assistant, where it's like tend to any needs that he had, things like that. But Patrick Mahomes in a recent article that came out about my buddy Porter um, said specifically, oh, he's going to be a head coach at some point. I don't doubt it. Which is so cool. That is cool. Like, I mean, that obviously doesn't mean that it's going to happen, but that you have the endorsement of the best quarterback in the league. Yeah. The best quarterback of a generation. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah. He's, he's. I wouldn't put him in that category per se just yet, but he's... Yeah, maybe not yet. Man, I would actually right? agree but with he's you. He's definitely trending there. Yeah. Um, he's still very early in his career, but yeah, like just absolutely phenomenal, um, you know, opportunity for... Because of that vote of confidence. Yeah, for so, sure. Which and is cool. He, just along the lines of Mahomes, like he seems to be the heir apparent. So I'm really glad he was able to pull off that win in the Super Bowl. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> fly Eagles fly, but you know, Last they'll, Sunday. they'll be back. They got a really good team. <laughs> That will be interesting. All right. So, covered both sides. There's our Super Bowl segment. (laughs) (laughs) Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, joining us today on Latter Day Takes with now not just Harper Anderson myself, but also Brian Harper, a newly established co-host, is Will Beck, um, who I just found out is actually co-owner of pillow cube which is i own i own a pillow from pillow cube so shout out to pillow cube they've helped the way i've slept a lot i was just telling will that actually helps my neck pain quite a bit so they're doing great things if you're looking for a good pillow definitely look at that look into investing into one of those because it's helped me like i said quite a bit with my neck pain so will is joining us and this is something that is it's a little bit selfish on my part to want will on the podcast because i heard a podcast that he was on for those that aren't familiar, it's called the All In Podcast, and it's, I believe it's tied to the Church News, tied to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. A friend of mine who hosts that, Morgan Jones, had Will on her podcast years ago. I mean, this would have been, I don't, do you even remember, Will? It probably would have been like four yeah, or five years. Yeah, it was uh, 2019, uh, and it was April 2019. Yeah, so almost four years ago. So was that mm-hmm. actually, and we'll get into this here in a bit, the reason why Morgan had you on is because you were a student at Columbine High School when the shootings took place. Um, and we're going to get all into that. And, and you have an incredible story to share, and then we'll just kind of go from there. But before we do, um, was it because of the anniversary or like around that happened? Because I know it happened April 20th, right? Yeah. So Morgan and I were friends. We had a good mutual friend, and we kind of got acquainted. And she heard my story a little bit, and I think we were – 
chatting in February. She's like, hey, let's do it for the anniversary. And it, it was the uh, 20th year anniversary uh, in 2019. Yeah. So, Wow. And we're coming up on 25 here next year. So uh, yeah. I guess close to 24 in just a couple months. But mm-hmm. anyway, so Columbine is one of those – for me, I was in sixth grade when it happened, and I remember my family had recently moved to Utah from Las Vegas at the time, and I remember it so vividly. It was one of those things for me that's like you remember where you are when you first hear about it, and I remember we were in a rental home while our, or while our house was building that we were moving into, and I specifically remember it happened just a few days after a shooting in downtown Salt Lake which was a big deal. I don't know if you even either of you have heard about this, but there was a a shooting and I actually looked this up yesterday to get the timeline right, and I was surprised at how my memory was because it the shooting at the Church History Museum or I can't Church History Library or something like that, yeah. right across from Temple Square. Um three people had died and it happened on a Thursday. And then Columbine had happened the next Tuesday. Yeah, I remember. Well, actually, I never heard about that. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, like public shooting like that. That was probably like my first real uh, exposure to something so horrendous and so terrible, trying to process all that, thinking this is a big deal. My dad, who actually works for the church or did, he just retired um, is a social worker and would counsel people that were victims of these things. And so he was like right in the weeds talking with people that were at the library when it took place, security guards that were involved, things like that. And then Columbine happens and completely overshadows um, Salt Lake because it was the biggest school shooting to that point. I believe 13 people. Is that right? Yeah, 13 students. Well, 12 students and one 12 teacher. 12 students, one teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, we'll get into all the details here in a second. But then my dad, I believe, flew out to Denver to go out to Littleton to provide grief counseling there. So it was just kind Mm -hmm. of this bang, bang, back, back to back. And it's just like for me as a sixth, no, I don't, not to make this about myself. I mean, I was fine. But as a sixth grader, I was just like, there's just a lot happening right now. And it's interesting. And Columbine has always been of interest from that point on. Uh, I've done deep dives here and there just to kind of like see how that all played out, not from a fascination standpoint, but more from just like a how does something so evil, how does that just happen randomly? But I digress. Will, let's go ahead and just kind of let you take it from there and just let's let's talk about that day for you. And I one specific experience that I'm sure you'll get into that is very touching in my mind, and I'll kind of let you get to that point. Yeah, so um, that day, just a normal day, I had four tests that I had to take, so I was a little bit stressed out, but not, I'm not a super stressed person, but I was just aware of the, uh, what I had going on, and then uh, went to school, and uh, before school, I'd get there a little bit early, and I'd go hang out in the library with a couple of friends, and uh, yeah, just hanging out with the friends, and uh, one of the things um, that happened at that moment is there was a guy named Dan Mauser, and Dan was a little bit of a nerdy, nerdier kid. I mean, wore glasses, very brilliant kid, um, kind of shy, 
but I would tease Dan a little bit from time to time. And uh, but he was like part of our friend group. We'd hang out and do whatever. But and uh, yeah, it I has just to be a butt of every joke, even for friend groups. So I, I know exactly yeah, what you know, you're talking about. But, and as a high schooler, nobody's can. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where I still feel bad. Like you know, it's like you can have jokes where <laughs> that aren't kind of hurting people. And that's one of the things I try to improve as an adult. Is you know like. Even things that seem funny aren't sometimes funny, you know, when it's about you. And so, um, but I, I did feel bad a little bit. And I told Dan, I said, hey, I'm sorry for giving you a hard time. I just want you to know that I, like, really like you. And I think you're a great guy. And, and That was that uh, morning. That morning. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like there was any type of prompting there or anything? Or where did that come from? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh-huh. It was for sure prompting. <clears throat> um, and I... You know, to this day, like when I look back at like some of the, like the tenderest mercies in my whole life, like it's one of the biggest. Because um, Dan, like, you know, not to cut to the chase too much, but he um, he did he got killed that day, you know. And I had another friend there with me, and I like still ask him every once like, did that really happen? Like, how could that have possibly happened that I said that to him that day? You know, um, it was just kind of unbelievable. But I, um, we just kind of like, it, it didn't seem like a big deal at the time that I would say that. It's just like me just trying to be like kinder to him. And so I went on my way, had a couple classes, took some tests. I'm in my fourth hour class and I'm taking a test on the cannery row and I felt like I nailed it. I was like, wow, I'm on this. And I got done with the test like 10 minutes early and I am just kind of sitting in class. I had my head down on my desk and I had a feeling it's like, you should say a prayer. And it was very different because usually the only prayers I say in school are very, you know, help me with this test. And this is after the test. This is me just feeling a really strong need to say a prayer. And so I put my head down, prayed, just grateful for the day, grateful for God, just nothing special in it. And then I walk out of class. I'm all in a hurry to go see my friend, meet him at his locker. He grabs his lunch. We go downstairs, and then uh, we kind of exit the the school, and there's this place outside where we just like to sit and, you know, hang out, eat our lunch. It was a really nice day. It's probably in the 70s. And, uh, yeah, so we're just hanging out and we were chatting and I was probably giving some more kids a hard time (laughs) and, uh, just kind of hanging out. And then I heard, uh, firecrackers going off and I thought, wow, like there's a senior prank going on. I want to go see what it is. And so I stand up, take a couple feet. And look around this corner, and on the top of this hill, I see one of the gunmen immediately. And he has what I thought was like a, I was an AK-47 type gun. It ended up being what was like a Tech Nine handgun, but it was a fully automatic handgun. And the other guy had an assault rifle too. And they're just shooting. And I see, like the dirt clods, like coming out of the ground, just. I'm like, holy cow. How close to the vicinity of the bullets are you at this point? 
very close. Um, there was a boy that was about five feet from me. The very next thing I saw uh, was this boy named Sean, and he got hit right in the back and dropped. And then he dropped his knees and got shot again. And uh, he's just, like, screaming and swearing. And it was, you know, immediately, like, one of the most terrifying things. Like, you just get, like, dropped into this, like, war zone, you know. Um, and so I saw another kid get shot. And I'm like, I need to get out of here. Um, and there was an entrance. If I kind of run a little bit towards the shooting, there's an entrance that way. And so I just, like, ran in there. And then... Um, That's the closest cover at this point. Yeah. Because I've wondered that, because I've heard stories, too, where people were outside when the shooting started and Mm -hmm. from there went into the building, which, in hindsight, obviously, you're like, well, that's kind of a death trap, right? Because then you're enclosed and, like... Yeah. But to your point, that's because that was the only thing that could could cover you as quickly as it did. Yeah, 100%. Like, that was my safety, for sure. And as soon as I went into school... It feels like a normal, peaceful day. I mean, it's the wildest thing to, like, walk from, like, seeing people get shot to all of a sudden kids are just eating lunch again, hanging out, being quiet, just, like, screwing around. And I come in there, and I'm like, I see one of the teachers, and I'm like, hey, there's a shooting outside. So I'm, like, kind of, like, screaming. And then he he immediately kind of jumps into action, starts, like, telling people to, you know, get out. And then... I see one of my best friends on the basketball team and he's got his lunch and he's like pulled over to this little area where they got like napkins and silverware and all that kind of stuff. And he's like getting ready to head out the exit. And I like stop him. I'm like, no, there's a shooting going on outside. Like somebody just got shot. And he's like, BS will like, you're just joking with me. And I'm like, I'm not, I take his like lunch tray, slam it down. I'm like, let's go, man. And, uh, me and a group of friends we like my whole thought was hey we're going to leave this school or leave where we're at and we're just going to hide in the bathroom until the police get here i'm like they'll be here in five minutes this thing will be over let's just go hide and, and, and sit it out and so we go into the bathroom and then we're all standing on top of one toilet like hey we don't want to see our feet like try to be really quiet uh, we're in there and there's like four people on the toilet I'm on. There's another bunch of other people in there. It's like, this is, you know, that's just terrifying. And then I'm like, I, I need to say a prayer. I didn't sit, tell anybody that, but I just started praying like, God, like help me get out of here. You know? And I prayed for my sister, like help her. Like I knew she was out in that cafeteria right now. I just didn't know where she's at. And so you were, were you a senior? I was a sophomore. You were a sophomore, and what was your sister? She was a junior. Junior, okay. And so I'm in there praying, and then a bomb goes off. And, like, the walls of the stall shake, and it was just like, oh, my gosh. I felt like this whole school's under attack. Like, <laughs> like oh, how many of these kids are there? I have no idea. I saw two, but I thought, oh, there's got to be tons of them. I felt like, our we have bombs going off in here. And so I'm kind of still in that prayer. And then I hear, get out. I'm just like, okay. 
and I just knew I have to get out. And uh, I, I always say that these are the scariest footsteps that I ever had. And it was really following the Holy Ghost, but not knowing exactly what was out that door and just having to trust and be like, I need to do this. And so I walk out, and then when I get out that door, um, the moment I get out, a teacher opens the back door to the stage. He's like, come through here, come through here. And so I like, walk up onto the stage. This is in the theater walk- room. It's in like the auditorium. So auditorium. like, and it was a door I'd never been in before. I had, you know, I've been in the auditorium before, but this back door to the stage, I wouldn't have been able to tell you, hey, that's the back door to the stage. I'd be like, that's some door. I don't know where it goes. Yeah. And so he just happened to be there at the right time. And it was a teacher I knew super well. He was my elementary school music teacher. He was just like a big part of our community. He was a football coach. He was a track coach. Somebody that I already liked a ton. Somebody that I now like absolutely love and treasure as like part of my family. He's just an incredible guy. He saved my life. Uh, but he said, "Hey, come through here." What's his name? Uh, Lee Andres. And he gave me the pathway to get out of the school because I felt very trapped. And uh, so I went up through there and very quietly go through this stage door it's not like i'm in a full sprint i'm kind of everywhere i'm going i'm just looking to see like are there more shooters somewhere else um just like on guard because i'm like at the time it i like i said i thought there was maybe a bunch of them and so we're just like looking around looking around listening and i like climb up the stairs inside the auditorium and then we get up to a hallway up there And then we just, like, peek out this door. We don't see anything, but we hear gunfire um, down the left hall. And so we, like, look down, and then we just, like, sprint across the hall to the other side. And then there's, like, a hallway down there. We kind of, like, walk down that hallway, and then we get to the another an exit to the school. And, like, we walk out of the school, and it's just, by that time, there's probably 10 or 12 kids with me. And we're just sitting there like, what do we do? We just sit here? I'm like, well, what if there are more of them? Like, what if they come over here? I'm like, okay, well, it's just like run. And so we like. Sorry, real quick, Will, a couple things. Um, do you mind putting your mic up to your face a little bit closer? I think yeah. you're a little quiet. This is showing the levels a little bit low. Um, and then just to kind of re so reorient us in your story so after leaving the auditorium you are out in the hallway with a group of 10 to 12 kids you're in the hallway is that what it was so yeah we're in a hallway and we well we are in the auditorium and then we exit we're kind of like poking our head out the auditorium into a hallway and then we hear gunfire down towards our left, down the hallway. And it's a very long hallway. So it's like the other side of the school, hear gunfire down there. So we're like sprinting across the hallway. We get there, and then we kind of feel like, okay, we have cover, we're safe for now. And then kind of like slowly walk down this hallway, looking to see if there's other shooters. And then we get outside the school. And that's where we like sit and kind of congregate for a minute. And are like, what should we do? You know, 
and then we're like, let's just run as fast as we can to get out of here. And there's an apartment complex that's probably a half mile away. And so we just kind of full on sprinted to that apartment complex. Wow. So it's a lot, to, a lot to go yeah, through with this story. I get to the apartment complex and I'm like, call my mom and I'm like, mom, there's a shooting at our school. And she's like, what? She didn't even know <laughs> at that point. No, I, the police found out like around that point, you know what I mean? It was just like, so from the time when you were outside the building, when the shooting started to the time of coming in that apartment complex, how many minutes passed roughly? It's probably 15 or 20 minutes. That's it a long time for the police long. to not know about it. Yeah, I mean they they probably had a call. they probably had calls by then. We called them, but I'm sure, sure they called. Yeah, yeah, you know. But they um, still weren't there. They were still weren't at the school by the time you left and got to the apartment. I, I bet. I don't know. Like it wasn't like there was a police presence when I was there. You know, and I can tell you a little bit about like the police reaction to it. Like their whole strategy with the shooting was, let's go. You know, we know the shootings on this end of the school. Let's start on the other end of the school and clear classroom by classroom and then work our way down towards where the shooting was at. So you know, not going that, directly to the threat at the time. Yeah, but that process of doing that is like a three-hour process, three- or four-hour process till they get to where the shooting's at. Yeah, do you know if they've changed their approach at all on a general level? Yeah, yeah, I mean, the whole structure of handling school shootings has been redone because of Columbine. I mean, in the library, these kids, you know, after where they were shooting outside, they peek their head inside to the school in the cafeteria. The cafeteria has been pretty much cleared out by them. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, let's head back upstairs. They go into the uh, hallway that I was kind of peeking my head across and they shoot through the windows there. And they shoot a, a teacher. She gets hit with a little bit of, like, shotgun uh, buckshot or whatever. Yeah. And she runs into the library. And she goes in the library and she's like, hey, everybody, hide under the tables. And then she runs into the library and she hides in, like, a cabinet that's kind of, like, behind the counter in the library. And then those two shooters just walk into the library and they kind of unleash terror for the next half hour where they're just saying, you know, picking kid by kid, making fun of them, harassing them, truly terror, terrorizing them, and then shooting them. And they would hold up guns to kids' heads and then not shoot them and then shoot the person next to them. You know, there are a couple of kids in there that's like kids on both sides of them were shot. And they're like literally having these two people like bleed to death and they have their brain matter on their clothing and they're just having to deal with this like you know unimaginable situation you know and so the shooters came in there and they were just kind of like playing around i think realistically until they got bored you know and then they left the library and they go around the rest of the school and just shoot like they went down to the cafeteria again and they're shooting their guns, you know, and just kind of like messing around. They set off bombs in a bunch of places. And then now a handful, you know, uh, 
a handful of those bombs didn't go off, right? Didn't they have a handful that were in the cafeteria at the time that just didn't set off? Yeah, so there was some large propane bombs that were designed to destroy the whole school. And their whole strategy for this shooting was, we're going to set these bombs off and kill almost everybody in the school. And then as kids run out of the school that are survivors, then we're going to kill them. And so they were waiting one at one spot at one angle, one at the other angle, so they could shoot people out every single exit. Like fish in a barrel. And then, yeah. But then the bombs didn't go off. Like they like tried to ignite or whatever, and it didn't work. And so they, you know, we're like, okay, plan B, let's just go start shooting people who are sitting outside the school right now. And so they started on the top of this hill and that's where a gal named Rachel Scott, uh, Richard Cristalo were just sitting up there eating lunch. And, you know, those firecrackers I heard were those first bullets that, you know, killed Rachel and injured Richard. So did you, I, I, so on Rachel's story, um, have you heard the story about her brother? Did you know her brother? I did. Yeah. I knew her brother. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's since kind of had a movement, um, based off of this to some degree. I can't like, I mean, it's obviously based off of his sister, um, uh, being killed, but he specifically shares a story about, cause they would always obviously go to school together. She would drive mm-hmm. and, he remembers being mad at her because she was upset that he was being late to school and she wanted to get there on time and he's just taking his time and on the car ride there he was just antagonizing her and as she drops him off in the parking lot he like didn't even acknowledge anything didn't even say goodbye and that had just like tormented him for a long time i think he's finally been able to reconcile that rightfully so i would add yeah. um because i'm sure his sister would want nothing less than that like she, I'm sure there's forgiveness there. There's no question in my mind. But had you heard anything on that, like firsthand? Yeah, um, I just know stuff that goes kind of around in the, in the Columbine circles a little bit. But Craig was in the library, you know, so he he was not uh, in like some safe zone where he didn't see anything happen. The person that was right next to him was killed, you know, and so not only did he lose his sister, but he lost a friend. And was a direct eyewitness, you know. I'm sure he had blood splatter on him. And I have kids. I've been a kid. Every day I probably tease my sister. Every day I probably gave her a hard time and vice versa, you know. So it's like such a a normal situation. And so for him to feel that pain and have to endure that, you know, you know, it's it's not fair, you know, but I I hope he knows that, you know, his guy's sister loves him for yeah. sure, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of even weird saying I'm sure forgiveness has taken place. It's like, of course, like that's not even something that really needs forgiving because, like, to you, like to your point, it's just like naturally growing up with siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure she doesn't care at all. She's like, hey, Greg, I love you. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. you know, and I I, uh, I lost a sister about two years ago to cancer. You know, and I think back about the 
you know, feelings I have towards my sister or like good moments or bad moments. And, you know, in the end, it's just like your sisters and brothers and family are like the closest people that like love you and are there for you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard to lose a sibling to have a, a tough situation like that too is, you know, it's, it's just tough. Was that the same one that you were at Columbine with? No, it was my baby sister. So she was eight years younger than me. She probably was in like first grade or something when it happened. Wow. Okay. Um, Lee Andres, did he, did he die? Was he a victim? He didn't. So um, the teacher who died actually was um, Mr. Sanders. He was the, my track coach. He was also the girls basketball coach, softball coach. And uh, I don't know if you remember at the beginning of my story, I, run inside and I see this teacher who was walking into the teacher's lounge at the time and I told him that the shooting was going on and he kind of went into action and so his story is that he you know was clear helped clear out that cafeteria so that when those shooters came back in there's nobody there you know that's saving I don't know how many lives hundreds countless yeah yeah yep and so that cafeteria is totally cleared out and then I had that pathway through the auditorium, which is like my little safe zone to get through. He ran up the stairs and then ran towards the library just to start telling people, hey, there's a shooting going on. And so as he's doing that, the shooters had gone back uh, upstairs towards the library and they shot him right there in that hall. And so they shot him. And then a couple of kids from a science classroom pulled him into their science classroom and did first aid on him, trying to stop the bleeding, talk to him, keep him awake and alert and alive. And uh, he was in that classroom for about three and a half hours. So let's go back to your experience with Dan. Um, Because to me, that's... I mean, your whole story is worth telling. Yeah. But, but this, the first time I heard you tell this story on the All In podcast, I started crying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of just get emotional hearing you tell it directly right here on this podcast, which I feel so just blessed and honored that you would do that for, for my own podcast. And I, I cannot thank you enough because... To me, it really, you, you mentioned the word, or the term tender mercy. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've reflected on that as one of the biggest tender mercies of your life. And I can only imagine how true that is. I'm, I'm wanting to know a little bit more on your expansion of that and how that's shaped your relationship with God because if I place myself in your position where you're a kid, things are so trivial as a kid, inconsequential, and you think about the, Dan Mauser was a friend of yours. You considered him a friend. Absolutely, but yeah. You even admitted that there were just, you, you know, you'd throw shots, you his way and sometimes you felt like maybe those were even a little more unfair than they would be to other people in those circles that maybe it was a little bit more aggressive or however you might define that to the point where you felt like 
maybe I should make a point to apologize to Dan and that day of all days it's like I kind of want to I want you to kind of go through that again just was it with strong prompting? Was it was it something pretty light that you're just like, you know what, that is a good idea. I'm going to pay attention to that and I'll go through with that. Or, or what was if, that? How did if that feel? Dan never died, I would never give that another thought. You know, it wasn't like, you know, an angel from heaven come down and say, stay to Dan right now. You know, I think you're a great guy and I'm sorry or whatever. It was just like a feeling. You know, like the Holy Ghost really is. Just a light feeling directly to your heart. And so I fortunately acted on that feeling. But the reason why I know it's a tender mercy is like, it it was that day. And I would have been crushed by the way that I treated my friend and have him die. I would have felt like an idiot for the rest of my life. And I feel like God gave me a little bit of peace to be like, you don't have to feel that way. And there are confirmations when you feel the Holy Ghost and then you know afterwards that it was the Holy Ghost and God saying like, yeah, that was me. And people can debate the truth or existence of God and whether things are real or not real, but you have moments where God speaks to you and you can say for your whole life, like, I know that he's real because of that moment in time where I heard his voice and and he confirmed to me that, that he was speaking to me. And so I just knew afterwards, like, that was God looking out for me. And I hold that as a huge part of my testimony that, you know, God is real. But then on top of that, God cares about how I feel. God didn't want me to have to endure that. And so he looked out for me. And it's like, I know that he loves me. Um, And so, yeah, I learned a lot from that situation. I also know like the power of words i could see in dan's eyes that when i said that that it made a difference and that he appreciated that gesture of just kind of me like putting my arm around him and showing him some love and so the power and the words that i have today do i want to use those words to tear people down Or do I want to use those words to make people feel special? And I feel like throwing in a caveat that, yes, I'm not perfect. I still say things that tear people down at times. I'm not like going around saying, oh, I'm just nothing but lifting people up. But I want to. You know, I want to lift people up with my words. And when I can take the time to remember and think, hey, remember what power your words have to build people up. And you don't want to be left in that situation where you're thinking, wow, did I tear this person down? Uh, this may, if I ask anything too personal, if either of us do, just feel free to just tell us. Like, really, I, I don't yeah. want you to feel uncomfortable at all. But 
I'm just thinking here now, have you felt like you've, have you felt Dan's presence at all in your life since then? You know, I, I haven't, I haven't, um, I had like Dan as an angel or anything like that, but I, I see Dan's dad from time to time and he'll be in the news and he'll be talking about, uh, different kind of gun control measures that he's in favor of. And Dan's dad very frequently wears Dan's shoes. They have the same size shoes. The shoe, the shoes that Dan would wear then, um, Dan's dad will still wear now as like a kind of remembering his son. And when I see his dad, I, I can still think of the pain that, you know, his dad's gone through. I have a son. Losing my son would be like the most heartbreaking thing. Any of my children would just be crushing and so I, I see him go through that. And it, but it, it gives me comfort to know that, you know, my last act towards Dan was one of, of just trying to be love and kindness. And so it gives me a certain amount of peace when I see his dad that it's like, hey, a reminder of, you know, what, you know, listening to God's voice uh, did for me. It's just... I <clears throat> the test, the testimony you just shared with your like foundation of your three man. So like I, I have a saying um, that me and my bishop came up with, and I've talked about it previously. It's it's <clears throat> that the three will always be bigger than the seven. So I was a baseball player, like batting three hundred, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're you can fail seven out of ten times, right? And those three right there that you just had, right? Being you know knowing the Holy Ghost is there knowing that that he has a hand in all things right and like the tender i'm just like i i just absolutely love it man that is absolutely just phenomenal that as bad as that day was for so many people that tender mercy and that strengthening of the testimony that you've been you you've been afforded right like Obviously, Heavenly Father, and he, he won't ever put anything on our plate that we won't, you know, be able to con- handle and, and control. Um, but, you know, he's constantly creating us to become more like him, right? And at that moment, as, as bad as it was, like, he he's creating something and his hand is in it, right? It's just like... It's just so powerful, man. Yeah, he's making beauty is, from making beauty from horrible situations, and I, I think about that situation too. And you know, the Columbine tragedy is such a large thing, and people see it and they think, "Oh well, look, Will got that amazing testimony experience," uh, and I don't have something like that, you know. And I just feel like we all have those moments where God comes into our life and we know it. And at the moment, like the thing with Dan, like that really, you know, it had to do with Columbine, but that's the thing that nobody knows about. That's not the shooting. It's not me seeing something miraculous or whatever. It's just a small little touch of God that he knows. And I know really happened. And we all have those. Everyone. I have other ones in my life 
where I can look back and I can write those down. And in the scriptures, you hear that, remember, remember. And those are the moments where it's like you have to remember those moments. You have to daily be reading your scriptures. You have to daily be like taking the word of God in so that you can like be holding on to the iron rod. But you have times where you're challenged and you're pushed and you're like, wow, is this gospel true? Um, sh- should I be doing these things? Should I be living this? And then you have to look back at those moments. And I've write, written down, you know, three or four or five moments in my whole life where I'm like, I knew, and I know because of those moments. And you have to remember that foundation, them, you that know. Foundation and we all have those right? built built in stone, yeah. not built in sand, right? Like those are those are foundational things that you know you can always lean on, right? And and I think the more people that you open up to that, right? Like reminding people of those, you know, five or six, seven, you know, things that you have, right? So when you are struggling, they can always remind you of those seven as well, right? And like, I'm such a proponent of, you know, we, ha- we have to support each other as, 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 a, as a community, as, you know, just as people in life, right? And like, that's, if, you, if you're able to, you know, go through those, those down points of being like, you know, questioning everything that you could think of, but then you have people to build you back up, reminding you of those, you know, seven things. It's like, yeah, you're right. You know, and then remembering, okay, well, let me get, let me get back in the scriptures, right? Let me, let me get back reading things and, and, and feasting upon his word and drinking upon the water, right? Like, you know, the life that, that is, that is there. So, I mean, that's, it's really amazing, dude. It really is. You bring up a really good point on, that I hadn't thought of before about when it comes to kind of that miracle that took place for you in that relationship that you had with Dan in, in the list of miracles that happened that day, if you're going to apply now, if you apply weight to any miracles, you're probably already doing something wrong, but my brain for whatever reason just works that way. There are probably bigger miracles that had taken place. Like, the bombs not going off, other people's lives being saved in at a miraculous situations, things like that. But for you to experience this was still a miracle. And and I think that's a fair point to make that it you know, it didn't save your life. Right? As it had nothing mm-hmm. to do with your life. It didn't save Dan's life. But it certainly strengthened your own relationship with God and it was a tender mercy because you were able to have this final farewell to a friend of yours in a very touching way where otherwise you could have been tortured by it for the rest of your life. And to think Mm -hmm. of the power behind that is amazing. And it makes me want to ask you, because clearly you haven't forgotten this and you haven't forgotten the miracle that took place in your life that day. Have there been moments where you felt like you've forgotten and you had to remind yourself and you felt like, hey, like, I don't want to go down this path because I think it's fair to say that there have been people that have probably experienced something even greater than what you went through that have forgotten and turned their way, turned their back. I mean, King, King David is an example for a certain time in his uh, his life, at least. Who is, who is it that saw the angel? And then they've seen the angels, right? Yeah. Like they've seen angels and then they just, you know, seem to forget. Beauty. I think of the Holy ghost and the way the Holy ghost works. It's like there's more power to that still small voice, just like cutting into your soul that, you know, you can wonder about what you saw 
anything like that. I really see that, but like that feeling in your soul. I remember the very first time I read the Book of Mormon all the way through. Um, it was maybe a year and a half before the Columbine shooting, and it was around Thanksgiving time, and I had gotten to the like Book of Moroni and Ether, and I had just read all of that in like the last day. And I just felt this tremendous energy. And that when I did get down on my knees and pray and ask God if this book was true, I felt this power just kind of rush over me and affirm that, like, hey, this is God's word. And that's one of those other kind of keystone moments for me. And it's a thing that, you know, no one else was there. It's something that happened in my bedroom on, like, a Thanksgiving weekend when I was just, like, in there in the morning, in the quiet, and that affirms me and keeps me going. Now, since those points, I haven't lived a perfect life. <laughs> you know, um, never, we never do. I, I've had times where I'm closer <laughs> to, to God and living his truth more than others. My high school experience, you can imagine, I was left immediately in the aftermath of that kind of a little broken. And that's another part of my testimony. It's like, hey, I had, uh, you know, one of the things that I turned to afterwards was basket basketball. I love basketball. I love basketball this day. I'm in a gym six days a week. My kids play every single day. I got games, practices, whatever. I still play. And, uh, that was like one of my like safe spaces afterwards. And a little bit over a year after uh, Columbine, our best player on our team, the Gatorade player of the year in Utah, you know, all time elite player, my age on my team committed suicide. And he was one of those kids that helped bring Mr. Sanders into that science classroom. And I don't know whether that was a part of it or not, but I just know that like another one of my things that I was using to like find peace and joy uh, was taken and robbed from me. And it was just crushing, you know? And then not too much longer after that, my parents went through a divorce and it was just my high school experience. And I, I even forgot to mention this. I worked at a McDonald's that was robbed. I was pistol whipped beat up and then like stuck in a freezer and told like, Hey, if you come out of here, we'll murder you, you know? And so I had just a very interesting growing up. I grew up in an upper middle class community. Everything should be the safest, greatest. And it was just, you know, a tough, uh, experience. And some of those things really built me up, but there were times where I felt like I was really beat down by him, you know? Uh, and it was, a few key friends kind of helping love me and keep me into the gospel and being good examples that helped me to kind of keep my, to find my footing and my path forward uh, and, and continue uh, trying to worship Jesus Christ. That I mean, those friends were huge for me, but really just kind of digging in and feeling the gospel and you know, going on a mission 
I, I, I tell people that I thought about Columbine and I thought about that shooting every single day of my entire life from that point forward. It dominated my life. I couldn't think about anything else. And then there was a point on my mission where I was like, I didn't think about it yesterday. And now I can go whole days without thinking about it regularly. You know, and I felt healed by Jesus Christ. I felt healed because of the service I was undertaking, but that was another huge testimony for me from this is that whatever pain we go through, however hard it is, you know, God's there ready to heal us, but we need to come to him. And for a few years, I was looking for it in other places, trying to find, you know, happiness from basketball or trying to meet girls or whatever and just have fun and be a kid. And when I fully brought Jesus into my life, that, you know, was my key to like being alive again. That was the point, you know, five or six years later where I felt like, okay, I'm healthy and I'm back. Uh, and, and Jesus Christ kind of like brought me fully back to life again and made me who I am. That's awesome. Incredible. Um, I think this is probably a pretty good place to call it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I, I mean, I could, I could pick your brain for a while. I was curious, and this is just kind of outside the realm of what yeah. we've been talking about, but I was curious, did you know the shooters? I knew who they were from a look standpoint. Like I seen them in the school. They wore trench coats all the time. It was just kind of their crew. But if you were to say, Hey, Will, what were their names? I'd be like those two senior kids that wear trench coats. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know one of, one of their moms has been very vocal about like her, I can't remember exactly what her stance is. It sounds like pretty healthy, all things considered. I mm-hmm. I don't really know. I don't like. I haven't really followed her a ton. I know she has a TED talk out there because she was talking about kind of like did they ignore just like these clear signs of their son just having this this personality type or this disorder? And I mean, she's not trying to exonerate herself by any means. It sounds like. I felt like she was, but that was all right. You you could speak to that better than I can. <laughs> I mean, I've I've read her book. I listened to her TED talk, and I will say that I think there's things that they missed, you know. And it it is what it is. Like their son had run-ins with the police. That's a big deal. Yeah, you know. That's a good point. I didn't actually um, know that. So yeah, I mean, they've been arrested. They were like had bomb making materials they were stealing stuff there 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 were some key things you know but at the same point i i i don't want to let her say like hey we had nothing to do with it like no there's some things that we can learn and be aware of and then as parents try every parent can try to do a better job going forward so i don't want it to be like hey she can say whatever but at the same point i need to be able to be like i don't have any ill will towards her right and i want her to find as much happiness and peace in this life as she can it is absolutely horrible what her son did and she lost a son like everybody else lost a son that day because to her 
She loved her son so much. She didn't think of him as this crazy murderer. And so when it happened, she has that mourning, but then she doesn't get to mourn really. You know, she has this double grief from her son causing all this damage. And so I feel like her pain and her loss might in some ways be greater than anybody else's. And so I, I sympathize with her for that, that she has that burden to carry. But at the same point, I can recognize and think that, hey, you know, parenting is the key to solving this school shooting epidemic by having good parents in the home who are trying to raise their kids with love in their hearts, trying to help them uh, find joy. And then when they do things that are wrong, they're like putting in real punishment. Like if you don't punish kids and discipline them, they don't learn, you know? And so when you let kids kind of run free and do whatever, it's, it's trouble. And I think that's some of what happens. So I bring up great points and I, you have a very sympathetic approach to that. I actually admire that quite a bit. And it took me a while to get there. <laughs> well, hey, I, didn't, I wasn't born that way. I was really mad for a long time. So, <laughs> laborers in the vineyard, man. It doesn't yeah, matter which hour, years, right? Yeah, as long as you get there. Um, well, that's a, and that's a great point. And I, and I'm glad you actually brought that up because I didn't know really what to think. Not that I have to mm-hmm. think the way you do, but I think you shine a light on the situation. And the most important part of that is. Let's be reflexive about this, and that applies to her as well, mm-hmm. because you need to really look at this situation from all angles and what is her motivation behind that. And that's the thing; that's a fair question, whatever that may be. And if she can look at that and maybe take some some ownership a little bit, not in terms of the actual shooting itself, but I think Will, what you talked about was was key in all this, and I think it kind of shines a light on this whole situation which is how do we look internally when these things happen and how do we reflect on who we are in the context of our relationship with Christ and I think that is exactly that every experience should kind of have that aura about it in my mind yeah I mean if I can leave your audience with anything I mean it was my prayer before coming in today that people would be able to feel the spirit and people would be able to learn and grow closer to Christ and they'd have the Holy Ghost more in their lives. And so I hope that they do that. And, you know, the thing that's just, it's such a simple thing, but reading the Book of Mormon every day is like that keystone, that marker for just, am I like staying close to God and am I feeling him in my life? And as I feel him more, I act better. I make better decisions I treat people different when I have him in my life and when I have the Book of Mormon in my life. So even if it is just pulling one verse at the end of the the night right before you go to bed, like that keeps you, it draws you in and keeps you closer to Christ. And if you can wake up in the morning and do it first thing and just feel the Spirit, just read until you feel the Spirit in your life and then you have it to carry with you and, and treat people better all day, like, you know, do it. Um, this church is true, you know, Jesus Christ really is the son of God. He saved us. Uh, that's already happened. I know president Nelson is a, his prophet leading the church today. And I'm so grateful for him and, and to have this gospel in my life. I know it's true. Amen to that. Amen. 
that's uh, I love it, man. That's a great reminder. It really wow. is. Uh, and I, I don't say this flippantly. The spirit was felt by me because I, I think I've had a pretty good relationship with Christ through the atonement on a general level, but that doesn't mean I don't need reminders. Uh, in fact, on the contrary, I need reminders as much as I can get them because hearing your story was that reminder, which is I know there have been times when I felt the spirit specifically say to me, it was Christ speaking to me through the spirit saying, I'm still here. And it was that reminder while you were going through your story about feeling your own tender mercies going through such a horrific event that I was reminded again, Christ never abandons us. But you, you put in the caveat there, not just a little bit ago, you said, but we have to seek him. And that comes with conditions. We have to put ourselves in that position, which is like you said, you know, reading the scriptures, praying. That has to be consistent because it's, it's us saying we're on the Lord's side. And when we say that, he takes care of us. Brian, did you have anything to kind of close out with? No, I, it's been amazing. So I I said, love it. I love hearing, you know, people's testimonies and just the power that's in it, man. You know, and Bednar is one of my favorite uh, apostles and he's always about acting and and standing and and preaching, you know, and, and testifying. Right. And, you know, better, better, uh, better learned and, and grown, talking of testimonies better grown on the feet and, you know, than sitting in your seat and thinking about it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been, it's been amazing, man. And I absolutely, you know, as, as, as tough as your life has been, it's just the, the power that, that you give and, and, you know, resonate, you know, it's every, I, I hope that everybody can, you know, kind of go to your example of, of the, the power that you bring in, into this world now, you know, going through the darkness that you've gone through. But I mean, just the, the light that you show, you know, and the, and the beacon that uh, you are for, for him and everybody else's lives. So yeah, it was amazing, man. Thank, thank you so much for coming on and, and, and sharing. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, you say my life's super tough. I feel so blessed to be able to come through all that. I have a wonderful wife three kids my wife's expecting our our fourth we have a 12 year gap (laughs) between our third and our fourth so we're we want to keep having kids we find so much joy from it but i you know god love it he gives you these tough times but um he also rescues you from it and he delivers so much joy and so i feel just tremendously blessed and i know that that it comes from god i love it brother thanks again will i really really appreciate it yeah yeah thank you man no problem thanks for having me on Okay. Well, we'll catch you later, man. Have a good one. Okay. Thanks. We'll see ya. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. That'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for checking in, everyone. If you liked what you heard today, I ask super quickly if you could just follow 
or subscribe to the podcast, give it a rating, give it a review, tell your friends about it. All of that stuff helps me quite a bit. Watching the growth has been super humbling and motivating to keep going, and I could not possibly appreciate all of you more. Sitting on my table, I'm watching as everything's changing my mind, goes to a different time. Old love, I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Cause I could almost see it Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time, I, I If it takes time, I